Welcome to This Week in Location-Based Marketing with your hosts, Asif Khan and Abriana Lopez. All right, we are here with your favorite podcast of the week. This is This Week in Location-Based Marketing, episode number 407, and we're recording live on March the 19th. Uh, and uh, yeah, it's uh, good Good to see you, Abriana, as usual, every week. How are you? I'm good. I am, uh, you know, crazy busy and uh, lots of fun stuff. Spring is finally coming around here in Atlanta. Um, you know, it's just a crazy time in life and work, and but like lots of good things going on. We're gearing up for a local LBMA uh, joint event and obviously Retail Loco coming up next month. It's just around the corner. Um, the pollen is out here, so that's fun. And I get to go vote today to decide if we want to expand public transportation in Atlanta. Woohoo! Is that I mean, even a question, a, or should okay. you just should everybody just want more public transportation? You know, actually, it is a question. A lot of people don't want it, and oh. a lot of people are voting against it, which is whole another topic, whole another podcast. Yeah, I won't be on. All right, um, but yeah, so. What about you? Cool. Uh, I'm good. Uh, spring is definitely uh, here in Toronto as well, and uh, you know, weather's getting better. And um, yeah, it's busy time. I'm uh, trying to. We got two more weeks to close out the funding on the the new startup, and so I'm I'm looking forward to that being done, and we can just build and all of that. But yeah, Retail Loco uh, is top of mind for me right now. April 24th and 25th, if you don't have your ticket yet, in Seattle, uh, go go get that. Go check it out. Lots of cool speakers. Still confirming a lot of people uh, last minute to jump in uh, on the agenda. So uh, some some really interesting folks, uh, new new folks that have never never spoken at LBMA uh, events before. So I'm excited about that. Um, yeah, and then as you said, the local event in Atlanta. Uh, we're in the midst of planning right after Retail Loco, first week of May. I think we're launching a brand new chapter in Mexico City, uh, so that'll be exciting as well. Uh, details should be out in the next few days. So, yeah, lots going on, lots going on. <laughs> so we got a good show for you this week. We have only two industry news stories and three member news stories, uh, and we cut it down because we have a guest uh, for you. Uh, from Gimbal and uh, excited about that as well. So uh, I'll let you start it off. Yeah. So our first industry news story comes from a company called Hot Now. And uh, no, this is not a dating app and it is not like a pizza app and it is not the, a donut app. Uh, this is a location-based digital marketing retail platform. Um, and they have launched something that they are calling the world's first fully integrated crypto game. Um, and it's called Evergleam Hill, which is, I, I, don't, I don't know why, but that's what it's called. Um, so there's, it's kind of rolling out in Thailand. And the first wave of business participators includes Baskin Robbins, um, Thailand's largest department store called Robinson, and a fast food chain called Mr. Donut. Um, so this is like they have this patent pending in-game advertising platform um, that they've tried to, um, I guess, kind of gamify, obviously. And it's the, the advertising technology is called Hot Play. Lots of words with hot, so stay mm -hmm. with me here. Um, and they are touting engaging advertising, rewards for games, um, commercial content that they're saying is not going to disrupt the play for the, for the gamers. And they're really... In essence, trying to like blend all of these different things, right? Like 
ad tech and advertising and, and that being like a huge, um, you know, growing market right now. And then obviously the gamification of things. Um, and now they're bringing in this whole like cryptocurrency part. So, um, in the game players like are, are, uh, navigating this mining village in order to make a fortune by mining for gold. I guess it's kind of like the premise of the game here. And so they're bringing this to life by allowing them to, um, have like an opportunity for players to exchange their gold for, coupons and discounts from these participating merchants some of the ones i just mentioned um and it's like a games marketplace and then they can use it these different retail outlets so they are using blockchain based asset inventory system so that the retailers can measure the impact of the advertising and how it's actually like driving in-store purchases um the cryptocurrency is called hot Oh, goodness. Okay. Um, so you can transform these assets and like tools into other objects. Um, like uh, you can actually, the, the businesses can go in and they can have these banners or they can buy like buildings inside of the game to advertise on, which I think is kind of a cool component of this. Um, so they have like this branded advertising and digital real estate, if you will, within the game. Um, so, yeah, if you decide to pick up the Evergreen Hill game from Hot Now on the Hot Play platform, you can pick up some hot. And if you're hot and want some ice cream, <laughs> okay, I'm done. <laughs> um, yeah, so I think, uh, all right, I will kind of divide this into two different. Um, my, uh, well, actually, we'll make it like a compliment sandwich, right? So, my compliment is I love that they're saying, okay, here's what's hot right now. I think that, um, obviously, gamifying things is is a hot topic blockchain is a hot topic blah blah you don't need to blockchain everything um and obviously ad tech is a huge topic and trying to bring those things in together so i commend them for trying to say like what's hot on the market right now and how can we bring these together um i'm not sure like this has to be a younger demographic obviously people who are trying to uh play a game in order to get rewards is it just sounds like a lot of work. I'd rather just get rewards for buying what I already buy um, and shopping where I already shop, to be honest. But I also, so, and and I think that, like, hot now is not going to be hot long, if, if you get my just. I think this is going to be, like, quick little wave if it does actually catch on where, you know, you have a younger demographic that might be playing this type of a game and enjoying it. And then it's going to be like, eh, it's going to be like the Pokemon kind of thing and just Mm -hmm. fizzle out. Um, And yeah, I I don't know. I I think that you're trying to get people to, to do like this loyalty thing and, and make this play, but um, you don't need blockchain for this. You don't need um, to talk about everything being hot. Just stop. Stop the hot. All right. Stop the hot. Um, Okay. So here's my thoughts on this really quickly. So um, number one, I I like the brand engagement piece of it. I like, you know, the types of brands that they're going after with here and the focus on on retail and restaurant, you know, brands, quick serve chains, you know, uh, all that sort of stuff. So that's good. Uh, You know, as I'm listening to you talk about this story, I'm reminded of the story we covered last week, which is the Gion's. And the Geon network yes. and the Geon marketplace and the, and collecting Geons, which also sits on the blockchain and all of that. So there's a movement, no question, that everybody's trying to figure out how to leverage blockchain and cryptocurrencies and bring that into the retail 
brand advertising community. So I applaud the efforts, you know, by both Gian and, and Network and, and Hot Now uh, for trying to figure this stuff out. Um, <clears throat> I guess for me, I'm not so convinced by the uh, sort of, you know, the real estate piece of it that you're talking about here in terms of virtual real estate and buying buildings and all of that. I'd rather see more of an actual marketplace like we talked about last week where you can convert into like actual goods, uh, convert your, your currency, your points, your whatever you're collecting uh, into something that's real life merchandise that you can redeem from these brands. Like, so if you can go into the Mr. Donut or whatever and get a, you know, free donuts, you know, or a free dozen because you collected enough whatever um, in the game that you're playing, I think that's, you know, a better, a better way to kind of see this thing manifest. I mean, like I I look at the real estate thing and I go like, you know, we had second life, it didn't go anywhere and, and we're trying to bring it back. Uh, And I, I don't think there's, you know, I don't see a big use for that with brands right now. Um, But I do see big demand by brands, you know, for loyalty and new ways to envision loyalty programs. And this is one way to do that. So I hope they focus on that. So that's, that's all I got to say about it. Um, There you go. Uh, yeah. All right. Second story this week is about our friends at Cali Burger and they've teamed up with uh, NEC on some facial recognition stuff. Um, and essentially when you come into, to a Cali Burger in Pasadena right now, um, which is the only location, uh, at the moment where they're testing this, uh, you can order essentially with your face. Uh, and this is not the first time we've seen this technology. It's the first time I think, uh, in, in the U S anyways, that I've seen, you know, a, a big chain experiment with this. In China, we talked a couple of years ago uh, about KFC, KFC doing this, uh, where you pay with your face kind of stuff and, and it working very well. But it, they say this is all about um, saving people time and making that order, you know, quick and easy, you know, by storing that profile. And they say, they say that in the test so far, they're saving 30 seconds to a minute on traditional ordering time um, for repeat customers who have complicated orders you know, where normally you'd have to say no bun, no cheese, no this, no like whatever. They just store that for you. You walk up, it scans your face and it, it preps your order and, and, and it's ready to go. So that makes sense to me. I get that. I, I see I see the use case and the value uh, in that. Um, so, but but again, I, I think the real question here has to be for this thing to scale and to grow out, you know, across the chain and and, and, and into other, uh, other chains and other businesses is, you know, what is the you know, protections around the, the data, you know, how's this data being stored? How's this data being used, you know, in other ways, uh, and making that clear and well communicated and transparent to the consumer if you want adoption. Um, and so, yeah. So anyways, if you're at Cali Burger in Pasadena, you can check this out. It's the first, uh, of its 40 locations that they're using, uh, trying face pay technology and we'll see how it plays out. Yeah. I think that they're talking about when they say like, helping them remember faces and complicated orders are like, let's do something for the women who can't make a decision. <laughs> let's just do that. Okay. Like you can't make a decision. Yeah. What, like what you let's... ordered last time, that's what you're getting this time. We've, we've decided. Got you. For you. We got you. Yeah. Um, yeah. So they're like, you know, everybody in the back's like, Oh, that girl with the, <laughs> she wants, um, sauteed onions, but they can't be too well done and they can't be too crispy, but they can't be too raw either. They have to be, you know, she'll send the burger back 15 times. <laughs> yeah, yeah, 
See, I just, I just, I just got a little Latin coming out of you there, Abriana, as you were saying that. So sorry, yeah. <laughs> it's good. I like it. Uh, cool. So that's that's our two um, industry stories for this week. As I said, we have three member news stories to talk about. Uh, but before we get there, I had the pleasure uh, of sitting down with uh, the CMO and COO, dual title, uh, Matt Russo, who uh, of Gimbal uh, yesterday, and uh, we had a good chat about not just what they're doing and and the industry in general, but uh, obviously they're they're a big sponsor of our upcoming Retail Local event, and he talked a little bit about what they're going to be sharing there. They have some new products uh, that they're working on, and uh, so without any further ado, here he is, Matt Russo of Gimbal. All right, I'm really excited this week because we get to have a special guest on our show, and his name is Matthew Russo, and he is the Chief Marketing Officer and the Chief Operating Officer of Gimbal, uh, a... Uh, Longtime uh, member of the LBMA and uh, a uh, sponsor of our upcoming Retail Local Conference, uh, April 24th and 25th in Seattle. Matthew, welcome to This Week in Location-Based Marketing. Um, thanks so much for having us out. Yeah. So, uh, you know, you, you, we've been connected for a long time. You've been part of the, uh, personally and, 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 and with Gimbal, you know, part of the, uh, the location community for, for quite some time. Um, but uh, maybe for, for those who haven't heard of Gimbal yet or, or aren't familiar with you guys, um, and, and Gimbal, as, as, as I know it, has changed a lot over the years too, but you know, maybe just let's just start with, you know, who are you guys? What are you all about? Yeah, sure. So we are a location data and technology company based out of Los Angeles. Um, when I joined the company about four years ago, we were solely focused on mobile advertising. And then about two and a half years ago, we acquired uh, what is now Gimbal out of San Diego. Uh, so they were a Qualcomm incubated company uh, who spun out from uh, Qualcomm, kind of focused on hardware, and that's traditionally where they're known. So the Beacons micro location data. Um, but also baked within that is their location management platform. And so that allows brands and advertisers to uh, set up geofences and use beacons to monitor all the locations that are interesting to them. And the part that powers a lot of that first-party data is the location SDK that goes inside of consumer-facing apps. And so where we live today is kind of the intersection of those two worlds, which is um, great. We can see a lot of device IDs and do a lot of targeting on the mobile advertising side, but we also have this really rich, unique data set in the location SDK side where we can do a lot of really cool things for uh, targeting purposes, attribution, and uh, you know, one of our more recent uh, pieces that we're building out now is just uh, uh, football uh, insights, just location insights overall without the need to tie it to a media campaign. Awesome. Yeah, and, and that to me is fascinating, and, and we'll drill down a bit more on that uh, as, as we go along in this discussion. But uh, yeah, I mean, that heritage, that hardware heritage coming out of Qualcomm, you know, the beacons and all that sort of stuff, you know, and then somewhere in there, there was the mobile majority and, you know, and, and all of that, right? So, and here you are today now, kind of one of the, one of the, the key players in the industry uh, around um, not just, you know, where you're going with, with footfall and, and attribution, but I think it's interesting for me is that you don't, often see in our industry the combination of both the technology stack and, and the, the hardware aspect of it um, and mm -hmm. being able to deploy uh, you know the, the you know the the network if you will and then monitor that but also then you know to to be able to do the targeting on top of that right so the combination of both sides of that uh, I think is 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 super cool and interesting and and I think that's what a lot of people are, are gravitating towards you guys for right now and then obviously where you're going from there um, so talk to me a little bit about um, 
the acquisition sides? Because you guys have gone through and acquired a number of companies, especially in the last 18 months or so. Um, tell us about that and, and how you see that fitting into uh, where, you're, where you're about to go as a company. Yeah, sure. So the gimbal acquisition was pretty opportunistic. It's not like we were out there searching for it. Uh, we had done some work with them as a partner and um, it kind of came onto our radar. And the more we dug into it, um, the more it kind of made sense. Um, and the way I like to talk about it now is, you know, I think about uh, kind of the customer journey or the customer relationship that a brand or an advertiser has. And so if mobile advertising is, or advertising in general is at the top of the funnel, which is where you're, you have to pay for those eyeballs because you don't have a relationship. Um, as you move kind of down further down the funnel, you know, Gimbal had a really strong offering insofar as if somebody has a app, consumer app on their phone, they have that relationship or at least some kind of relationship with that brand itself. And so we really uh, kind of saw, wow, we can get further down the funnel and provide a more holistic solution for the brands and advertisers that we were working with. And so that one kind of, you know, it was certainly a learning curve. The company literally doubled overnight and we had our ups and downs and cultural challenges and all those good things that come from large acquisitions. But it was, it was an amazing um, learning uh, experience, frankly, um, to figure out how all the technology works together, how the people work together, and you know, can we make the solution better overall for, for our end customers. Um, since then, we've also acquired uh, Drawbridge's media team yep. and media book business. Um, and also work to integrate their cross-device solution across all of our uh, platforms. So, so for both targeting as well as attribution there. Um, and we've seen the market respond extraordinarily well to that. Um, and then most recently, we also acquired Uber Media's uh, business, um, their uh, media business specifically. Um, again, just kind of buying up more assets where we know there's demand for the solution that we've got out in market. So independent of itself, you know, media is, you know, I think the market perceives it as relatively unsticky, but we know that with the data that we've got and the solutions that we've got, um, you know, our barrier right now is how many feet on the street and how quickly we can get that uh, solution to market. And so by acquiring assets like that, it just allows us to, um, you know, bring that solution to that many more customers who we know uh, it's working really, really well for the existing customers that we've got. Yeah, and like I said, playing to both sides, right? Like of you know being able to 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 have the solutions that the media uh, buyers and, and and the agencies want in terms of being able to to have the right data and the right targeting capabilities, uh, but at the same time having the uh, you know that that heritage and hardware and deployment and and uh, you know the sensor side of things, I think is is really interesting. Maybe to put you on the spot a little bit, um, you know, so you've gone through these acquisitions, uh, you know, you're kind of rolling all those those assets together. Is there something yet that you guys don't have in the portfolio that uh, you might be looking towards? Just not name specific companies, but as a category of, of solution. Yeah, I would say, you know, location data, and I've said this before on, I think, one of your panels and some of the other things that I've sat on. Um, Location data to me is just a commodity insofar as it's data, right? And it's a type of data. And so obviously where a lot of the industry is going is more data, the better. And so if location data is good and we feel like we have a, a good moat around uh, the types of location data that we have, the scale, the precision, um, using hardware, not using hardware, um, to us the next logical step is what is the next uh, relevant piece of data or types of data that we could integrate into the platform so that our customers aren't just solely focused on location data. Um, they may also be able to integrate 
transaction data or connected TV data or anything that might help them connect the dots further so that they have a better understanding of who they're trying to reach. But also more specifically uh, or more importantly to me is, um, okay, great, you're spending money all over the place. How are you as an advertiser um, going to be able to justify, well, this big media spend over here was worth the money and did it move the needle uh, in the way that we thought it would? Um, and so connecting across all those different data sets is a real challenge for marketers right now. You know, the big walled gardens like the Googles and the Facebooks and even the Amazons of the world um, have all of that data because they have the scale in terms of their user base. But a lot of the brands are at a real disadvantage right now because while they may have a lot of really great rich data on their app users or their customers independently, um, they aren't going to have the scale that you know some of these wall gardens might have at you know let's call it 90, 95 percent uh, market penetration. So we're always looking for you know what's that next data set that we might be able to integrate uh, and or acquire so that um, our customers have a more holistic view of what they're really after. Yeah, and I think that makes complete sense, right? I, I think that we talk a lot at the LBMA about you know the the need for integrating data sets, especially the transactional data, uh, and how we can link that into not just show attribution of did somebody you know move from point A to point B you know as a result of some ad that was delivered, but did that did that ad actually result in a in a purchase in a transaction, and how we how we can kind of you know move move up the funnel uh, in terms of you know understanding what's going on there. But I think even then taking that full circle about, okay, now we understand what they bought and we're looking at the transactions, but how do we then take that to further refine, you know, and, and start the cycle over again, right? In terms of what the next ad that gets gets pushed to them looks like uh, so that it's much more personalized and targeted and contextual. Um, so, so I'm completely uh, in alignment with you there. When you look at our industry kind of going forward and, and the problems facing it, you know, obviously, from a data perspective, you know, our annual research, you know, we we still see uh, big problems with um, getting better, but big problems with the quality of location data, the accuracy of it. Um, is that the biggest problem you see in the industry today, or is there something else? Yeah, I think in location data specifically, yes. And again, to me, um, you know, we've talked about location data in and of itself as a commodity, but to us, you know, the the biggest piece that we look at is like, what is the source of that location data? And so when everybody's working or playing in the same sandbox, as I say, you know, everything's the same because it's all coming from the bid stream, right? And so when we have to look at kind of the incentives behind where that data comes from and how it's generated. So for example, you know, a display ad is worth, let's call it a dollar. It's much less than that CPM, right? But as soon as a, an exchange or a publisher can append location data to it, that display ad is worth significantly more. And so if they can chuck any kind of location data, however precise or accurate that might be, and append it to that bid request, well, great, now it's, let's call it worth $1.20, right? Mm -hmm. But that doesn't mean it's necessarily accurate or precise in the way that advertisers want it to. We know our advertisers want and need uh, location data that can be targeted down to, let's call it a block radius, right? Or even smaller sometimes. Well, if you have you know less than 200 milliseconds for your ad SDK to get a really accurate reading on that uh, smartphone in the moment of when it has that opportunity to serve an ad, um, it's not enough time, it's physically not enough time for that device to register an accurate uh, ping on where that device is. And so again, like they're, the ad exchanges, I would say, are not at fault. They're doing the best they can to provide value, um, but they're also incentivized on just saying, 
grab as much location data as you can get in this really quick fix, even if it's not 100% accurate, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so in doing so, um, we know there's uh, errors, we know there's um, imprecision on the bid stream, and so we supplement that with, again, our location SDK, because it is purpose-built for getting really accurate reads, um, and being able to apply it not just within our, our customers' apps on the enterprise level, but also um, using our app panel, being able to create those audiences where we deterministically know this device was at this store between you know uh, 9.54 in the morning and 10.17 in the morning, and therefore we know they were there for this period. They didn't just pop up. They weren't just walking by. They weren't actually down the street. They were at this location. Um, and frankly, and I'll be transparent here, and this is not unique to us, the balance is always scale versus precision, right? So, you know, while the bid stream and the advertising side has so much scale, so many bid requests coming through, that's great because it gives advertisers, great, we can go spend, let's call it $50,000 a day on this, you know, zip code uh, level targeting. But we also know it's not as precise as it needs to be. On the other end of the spectrum, the SDK, I don't care how scaled out your SDK is, um, you aren't going to have that sheer volume of billions and billions of opportunities, but we also know it's much more precise. So advertisers kind of have to make that decision of what's more important. Um, and, it, and to me, it's not much different than, great, you can go spend a million dollars a day on t television advertising, but that doesn't mean you're going to get or, uh, consumers tuning in at that exact time on that channel to watch your 30-second spot. It's just a different type of, uh, type of medium. For sure, and, and and I'll agree with you completely in the sense that I, I don't think it's the fault of the uh, of the exchanges, you know, in that sense, and they are incentivized uh, to your to, to your point. But but I do think there there is an onus on the industry to be a little more transparent in communicating what they are collecting and how they are using it, and and how good it is or isn't um, to some extent. Right? I, I think we can do a better job. Is that fair? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we've seen scenarios where we'll run ad campaigns. And um, so, for example, we did an analysis on um, uh, some audience creation stuff. So we were looking at, can we create audiences using our location SDK versus the bid stream? And what we looked at was um, we, we did an analysis in a very small subset of a zip code. And we looked at, um, we overlaid that across our point of interest database. And so we, real, we saw that one taco shop in Los, downtown Los Angeles was getting exorbitantly more visits than the taco shop across the street, frankly. And so we dug into it and dug into it, and what we determined was the lat longs that were being passed to us through the exchanges, um, for whatever reason, were centralizing. Um, when you're targeting that zip code, they were the centroid for that was actually at this taco shop. Not that everybody was at that taco shop and not, not the one across the street, but they were just um, the data that was being passed to us and all the people who have access to a DSP. Um, they were kind of grouping them together, and that's as granular as they could get it. So they may have been you know, somewhere in that general vicinity, but it was saying, no, they're here. And so, again, it's not that um, nobody goes to that taco shop, but it's clearly not that yeah. Everybody goes there. Nobody's across the street. And so, yeah, it's up to, I think, us as vendors, um, uh, advertisers uh, to take it upon themselves to ask those types of questions of, you know, where are you getting your location data? How are you validating it? And again, also, how precise do you actually need it? It's not that it's wrong or yeah. inaccurate. It's just 
That level of precision um, probably isn't necessary when you're targeting a whole zip code, but that's what the data is saying. It's saying this taco shop, for whatever reason, is you know is the spot, and that may not be the case. Absolutely. All right. Lastly, uh, before I let you go, the uh, you guys are obviously uh, a key sponsor of our upcoming Retail Local Conference at the end of April in Seattle. Uh, what can people expect to to hear from you there? What are you What are you going to be focusing on? Yeah, so we are really excited about um, a new product that we're working on. Um, it's, again, mostly focused around where do people go in the physical world, when do they go there, how far are they traveling, what are the types of categories that they're also visiting. So if you're interested in you know, um, uh, what visitation looks like at the Starbucks uh, across the street, what other locations, what other types of categories are those same uh, or similar people going to um, so that you can figure out, you know, and help plan A, your next media campaign, B, maybe where you should be um, advertising, so for out-of-home uh, planning, C, where should we be thinking about opening up our next uh, retail location, and then also... Um, what else? Uh, why are some of our stores performing better than others? And um, you can do that across the country, regionally, by city, by state. Um, so we're continuing to develop that with some beta customers. Uh, overall feedback has been really, really positive so far. And uh, again, it's just kind of the next logical step of uh, implementing our location data um, outside of the use cases that we're uh, typically uh, used to doing for audiences and uh, attribution. Um, but uh, overall, it's been a lot of fun. And then the second piece that we chat about briefly offline is um, we have a, a partner that we um, uh, teamed up with up in uh, Seattle, actually. Uh, their name is Samaritan City. You guys should all go check them out because they're doing some really, really innovative stuff with some of our beacons. Um, they are a non-advertising, non-marketing use case, which we always love. Um, but they've actually built a consumer-facing app for Seattle residents to download onto their phone. And the way the program works is they give one of our small S10 uh, beacons to uh, homeless people in the Seattle area uh, who sign up for their program. And what it allows them to do is actually uh, Samaritan City loads up their story on their beacon. Um, and as residents walk past people in uh, these beacon holders, um, transmit the signal to these, uh, I'm sorry, the residents' uh, phones, um, they actually get this person's story. So this is Tom. Um, this is you know why he's homeless. This is some of the stuff that he's going through, but also this is what he's hoping to accomplish. And it provides them an opportunity to A, hear their story, but B, to um, actually donate directly to that person. Um, and it helps, again, it kind of technology enabling that personal connection, whereas, you know, I think homelessness has a bit of a stigma. Um, and, you know, some people may not uh, want to talk to or may be turned off by, you know, kind of uh, those types of people. But I know personally, I, I want to contribute. You just don't know if your money is going to be going to something that's going to actually help them get back on their feet, or if it's going to, you know, provide them with money that, you know, uh, may have gotten some uh, some of them in, in trouble in the first place. So, right. Pretty cool stuff. Awesome. Very, very cool stuff. And uh, I'm excited to hear more about that. Hopefully we can have those guys out as well to uh, to share a little bit about sure. that at the conference. So again, uh, for our listeners and and, uh, and, and watchers, uh, the conference is April 24th and 25th in Seattle. It's Retail Loco. Uh, Matt will be there. You can meet him in person and uh, and hear all about this and, uh, and connect with Gimbal. Thank you, Matt, so much for, for your time and coming on the show. Uh, we really appreciate it. Always to see you. Thanks so much. Cheers. Thanks, Matt. We really appreciate you doing that and taking time out of your day. Um, and uh, we look forward to seeing you at Retail Loco. 
All right, on to our member news now. As I said, we have three stories for you uh, this week. Uh, I get to start it off with our uh, our good friends at S4M, uh, which is a company based out of Paris um, and operating all over uh, all over the world now. Um, and uh, they've introduced a new ad format, which they call Pass to Store. And uh, it's really interesting. This is for both Android and iOS. Basically, what happens is as a, as a consumer, as a shopper, you download a card. So this is like a digital card that you would put in a digital wallet kind of thing. Um, and on that is a promotion or an invitation that's offered by a brand or an advertiser. Uh, and then what happens is you store that card in your mobile wallet uh, and the card is saved there. What's what's really cool about it? I mean, because we we all have cards in our wallet for tickets or things that we purchase and so on. But what's neat about it is that then that stored card then has the ability to trigger location-based notifications and reminders to the user, to the consumer, uh, that are available as they enter in geo geo uh, fenced areas. So that I, I think that's that's neat because often you know we we see something we store something we clip a coupon we do whatever uh, and it's sitting there and maybe we just you know, once we've done that action, we forget about it. And the ability to remind people based on a geofence notification, um, you know, and you can you can uh, set these for specific dates and times and all kinds of things as well, uh, I think is, is really uh, fascinating. And so, um, you know, I think there's a lot of use cases for, for this kind of thing. I can see this around events, around tickets uh, for, you know, sports or, you know, concerts, all kinds of entertainment, uh, and obviously retail uh, using this in different ways as well. So uh, check it out, S4M Pass 2 Store. What do you think? Yeah, I don't have a ton to add. I agree with you because I feel like I am notorious for, you know, when you get go to the supermarket and you've got like, there's that one little coupon that's on your milk or whatever, and it's like, save a dollar now. And then, you know, I get home and I'm like, crap, it's still stuck on the thing and I didn't peel it off. And maybe that's like a cashier fault. But honestly, it's probably, you know, my fault for forgetting about it. But Mm. um, obviously, I don't know that this is going to fix that issue. But it does, I think, encourage you to say like, hey, remember you have a coupon or you have a discount that's ending um, and you're nearby that store or you're in that store. I mean, I think that that is like so great. You know, the the consumer ease of use and helping somebody save money is like, yes. And I think it's a great reason to share your location. So <laughs> I think it's uh, obviously generating data as well, which I think is ob- uh, a very important thing as a, a company like S4M, you know, trying to generate good quality data and enhance an experience and have a good um, use case for it. So I think it kind of meets both needs. Yeah. And, there, and, so. and one thing I just got reminded of as you were talking there is, I don't even know if it still exists, to be honest with you, but I know way back when, like in the early days of Foursquare, um, they used to have this capability where if you were reading an article online, like a, like a news article or whatever, and there was, you know, uh, an ad in there for retail or, you know, restaurant or whatever else uh, that was popping up, you used to be able to click a button on, like on, on the browser um, and store that uh, thing to your Foursquare uh, app. And then when you were nearby that place, it would actually pop up a notification. Um, but that was going from, from like a browser uh, initiated function to the mobile app. Uh, this is going from you know something in the mobile app itself that's stored in your wallet. Um, so, but but I, I think that whole idea of popping up notifications based on things that you've you know you bookmarked or stored in the past, I think is is, is really powerful. So, 
Yeah, I agree. It kind of reminded me of when we were talking about why can't I go back and find like an ad that I recently saw on Facebook or Instagram like that drives me insane. Mm -hmm. And I think that it really misses the mark for those. Um, I mean, it's the platform missing the mark, right? The advertisers actually don't have anything to do with it, but the technology is missing the mark because I say, oh, I want to save that for later or be able to view it later. I just don't have time to focus on it right now. So anything that can kind of, um, I think, help brands in that area, you know, to be at the forefront and kind of be like, hey, I don't want to be annoying, but remember you wanted to see me again kind of a thing is, yeah. is really helpful. So, all right, next story. So Neoway has uh, teamed up with SafeGraph on a consumer retail insights. Um, and I didn't really know anything about Neoway, but Neoway Business Solutions, they are a customer insights on food and beverage operators. So they provide this data and then um, they they help with retailers to uh, um, and they work with major brands like Unilever and Nestle. So all of their different products, they wanna say like, what are the insights, who's buying? Um, all of that. So obviously they're a very data centric company, but now they have teamed up with SafeGraph Patterns, um, which is basically a data set of store visitor insights and taking that data that can answer questions like how many people visited this place, uh, where do visitors travel from, um, you know, where else do they go, uh, what other brands do they visit frequently. So all, I mean, you know, this is data that's like readily available nowadays where you can say like, what are the insights of devices that you know might shop at retailers where my nestle brands are located um, and where else do they shop so neoway kind of looked at two key pieces of information it was um a census block groups that shoppers came from and then the breakdown of android versus ios devices and that's really interesting to me because i didn't realize how much uh it's a predictor of beverage preference so i guess like i don't know maybe android prefers Pepsi and Apple prefers Coke. Or, That's interesting. You know, yeah. I think it's super interesting, but um, it was kind of more of just like a, an announcement about this partnership and how they're able to deliver these insights. So obviously I think it's kind of touting both of these businesses, um, what they can do in terms of, you know, insights. Uh, this was like for the food and beverage industry specifically, but I think it's pretty cool. I mean, anything that you can do to amplify data and bringing different data sets together, you know, I'm always excited about that. Yeah. And, I think we're all about that, right? I, we live in a in an age now where it's all about, you know, you can't build it all yourself. You can't collect all the data yourself. You need to be building APIs. You need to be building ways to connect, you know, data sets together to get, you know, the true insights, the true audience segments, the true, um, you know, information that people are looking for. And, you know, I've, I've, I'm, I'm about to go on a call as soon as we're, we're done recording here with a guy uh, who's trying to figure out, you know, does he just go with deterministic data or probabilistic data, you know, or is it a combination of both and what's the right method and all of that kind of stuff. And I think it, it, it's, it's truly in today's world, it's about how do we combine these things together? I don't think, you know, there's one solution for everything. Right. And, um, and uh, and I think this speaks to that, right? I think SafeGraph has great data on, on location and movement of people. And it sounds like NeoA, I wasn't familiar with them either, have a lot of great data about, you know, the beverage uh, and consumer products uh, space. And I think, you know, the more we can have those kinds of partnerships, the better. Uh, I think especially when you look at food and beverage as a category, um, they're trying to, you know, uh, understand more about the end consumer um, and and, their, and build, a, build a relationship. You know, for a long time, you know, without mobile, 
prior to mobile uh, devices being what they are now, they just didn't have that relationship. They relied on the restaurant chain. They relied on the on the grocery you know uh, retailer who had the end relationship with the consumer where, where they didn't. They were just a brand. Um, and now they're building those relationships through data to better understand and have those direct relationships with consumers in a lot of ways uh, and can influence them. So, um, yeah, so I, I like this. I think it's a good partnership. And, uh, you know, congrats to both of them. All right, our final story this week is about a, another partnership between our friends at Kroger and Pinterest. Um, and so Kroger has a division called Kroger Precision Marketing, and they've announced a, uh, an integration around media and measurement uh, with Pinterest. So basically what this is all about is giving advertisers who use um, Kroger's first-party data for targeting on Pinterest um, as well as track products from the people that might be posting on their Pinterest boards that they're inspired about to purchase through a closed loop. And so I, it's both ways. It's how do you use the data that Kroger has to, you know, sort of, uh, improve, um, the targeting on Pinterest and how do you use the data on Pinterest to then, you know, actually facilitate purchases at Kroger. Um, so I, I you know, I, I think we're, again, we're going to see more and more of these types of partnerships. I think, for a long time, we saw, as I talk a lot about, you know, the sort of the social platforms where have, you know, millions and millions of users didn't have a handle on the actual translation of that engagement of what I call, you know, the fans or advocates, you know, that of brands that are following on, on printers or Facebook or Twitter or whatever. Uh, and, and the ability to look at are those things, are those people actually converting into purchases? you know, closing the gap between social and location. Um, and I think, you know, this is the kind of partnership that speaks to that well um, by understanding, you know, where people are going and are they actually buying and was that inspiration coming from Pinterest? And so it's the attribution of, yes, ad, ad or impression resulted in traffic, but then the conversion of that traffic to, you know, did it result in, in sale or purchase and, and to what extent? So, um I like it. I, I think it's it's a good combination, and we're going to see more of that, uh, you know, as, as time goes on. Yeah, I like it as well, and I think it makes sense. I mean, Pinterest is a perfect place for people who are, like, looking for recipes or, you know, looking to kind of, um, I don't know, try new things. And obviously, they have to go shop for those new things, uh, which then leads them to Kroger. So this partnership makes complete sense. I'd love to... I'd love to have Kroger come and speak and share about what they're doing or Pinterest and Kroger to come and present like yeah. how this is beneficial and, and kind of like what they're, you know, what the key components are that they're both offering and, and the, uh, the data and analytics that they're getting out of it. And, um, I mean, it sounds like a, yeah, a really interesting it'd be a perfect time, so. uh, discussion at Retail Loco uh, next month. So I, I have reached out to Pinterest. So I'm waiting. I'm waiting for uh, for legal approval. So we'll see uh, if we right. if we can get it. So <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. Um, so that's our show for this week. You had two industry news stories, three member news stories, and in the middle we had a, a guest, uh, Matt Russo from um, from Gimbal. So. Thank you for listening and watching. You've been listening to episode number 407 of This Week in Location-Based Marketing. Uh, if you have story ideas, if you have feedback, if you have criticism, if you have praise, anything that you want to reach out to us about with regards to the show, uh, all the contact information is at the end of the show. We're easy to find on all the social media channels and so on. Um, but uh, we'd love to hear from you either way. Um, and, of course, we'll be back next week with episode 408. Thanks for listening and watching. Have a great week. Bye, everyone. See you next time. Bye.